Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyep, that's Creole for something extra. This is the sixth time the ICA has selected talented, established artists in the greater Boston area for the prestigious James and Audrey Foster Prize. The prize showcases artists whose work has been recognized on a national and international level, but who are relatively unknown here in Boston. Tuesday night was the opening of the Foster Prize exhibit. Earlier that day, Under the Radar took a field trip to the ICA to check out the exhibit before it opened to the public. Curator Dan Byers was our tour guide. We're actually in the space that's featuring Lucy Kim's work, and she works in this interesting plaster casting thing that I'm going to allow Dan to tell me. (laughs) It's very interesting. What we're looking at are actually six large-scale painted wall sculptures that are based on life casts that Lucy has taken from three different subjects. So she's taken casts of their face and torsos and hands, including their facial hair and eyebrows and everything. And then from there, turn those casts into these painted reliefs where she's kind of flattened parts of the cast to create a surface that is between two dimensions and three dimensions. Each of Kim's subjects is a person who in their profession changes or shapes the human body. So you have a geneticist and biologist, and then you have a plastic surgeon and a fitness trainer as well. Let's take a walk over and see Sonia Almeida's work. We're standing in the beginning of Sonia Almeida's gallery, and it's important to note that to our left are two artist books that the artist has created. Behind us is a double-sided painting that is attached to the wall on hinges as if it were a swinging door. And then to our right, are three tapestries that are held on hardware that comes out perpendicularly from the wall. But so beyond the painting and the book and the tapestry are seven more paintings by Almeida, which are poised between different abstract languages and modes of representation. There are four works in here which are on hinges, and so most paintings only get to have one face, these have two. So let's talk more generally about the James and Audrey Foster Prize and how the winners are selected. Really, I wanted the show to read as an ambitious presentation of contemporary art artists dealing with urgent and interesting issues today who choose to make Boston their home. As I was considering artists who are making really strong work, I then was also considering how the show could come together as a cohesive and provocative statement about how artists are making work today and the issues that are important, I think, to all of us. And our guide through the Foster Prize exhibit is here with us today, along with two of this year's winning artists. Joining me in the studio are Dan Byers, curator at the ICA. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Glad to have you. Sonia Almeida is an artist living in Arlington and a lecturer in visual arts at Brandeis University. Hello, Sonia. Oh, hello. (laughs) Lucy Kim is an artist living in Cambridge and a lecturer in fine arts at Brandeis University. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So congratulations to the two of you. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. <laughs> so let's just, just, you know, this is all love here. Let's have a, a fun answer. What does it mean to you to be selected for this prize? Sonia, I'll start with you. So, you know, I felt very good about being selected and having the opportunity to show a lot of my work here in Boston, where I don't normally show. And yeah, I mean, the ICA was very generous with, um, you know, putting together the show since very early selecting the works. And um, and the space was also very generous. So I felt it was a really good selection of, of works. Yeah, and it was really good to work with with Dan, with Dan Byers and and Jeff Du Bois as well, and all the team. How about you, Lucy? Um, it's really amazing because I, a lot of, you know, I've lived in Boston for I think five years or so now, and a lot of people ask me where they can see my work, and I haven't never been able to say a place in Boston. So this was really exciting because I could finally tell people where to go to see my work. But also the timing was really great for me. I had these enormous works, like six of them, and basically I could just hand them over to the ICA and clear wall space in my studio. (laughs) And I was really excited to be able to keep that series together in one exhibition. So it's been really amazing. It's been amazing to work with Dan and in such great company. And Dan, explain to us or talk to us about why I think it's so vital to see artists like these that are sort of hidden in plain sight, if you will, in Boston, and you're able to bring them out into a big spotlight. Yeah, so I'm from the Boston area, but I moved back here two years ago, and I was sort of astounded to realize that there are a number of incredible artists working in Boston, but this particular group of artists who I chose for the exhibition, I was so surprised that they were here, and I'd seen their work in New York and other places, but not in the city where they lived. And it seemed like Boston should get to experience their work the same way New York does or anywhere else where they've shown. And it struck me that Boston is the sort of city where you have these incredible artists, musicians, writers who are a bit under the radar, we can say. (laughs) And um, this seemed like a great opportunity to do a show that not only sort of hung together thematically, but was an opportunity to share these artists with their neighbors and put them on view at the ICA. We've done the Foster Prize exhibition has taken on different forms every time we've done it. And the last iteration focused on collectives and performance and a lot of very younger artists. And so it seemed like a good idea to do something rather different and showcase these established and really important artists. Well, let's talk to each of you about your work. There is a depth and a maturity to all of your pieces because of what Dan just said. You know, you're not emerging. We want to be clear. You're established. We're just letting other folks here in Boston know who you are. So, Lucy, talk to me a bit about your process because you have this interesting cast, collage. It was fascinating. The theme is the body, and you use three people that that really focus on the body, your trainer, a doctor, and a plastic surgeon. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, For this series, yeah, I kept it, the subjects focused to those three people. Usually I do use families and friends a lot. They're usually uh, my victims. (laughs) But for this work, there's uh, Dr. Melissa Doft, who's a plastic surgeon with a practice on Park Avenue in New York. And I met her, um, she's actually a collector of my work, And I met her, uh, when I met her, I knew instantly I wanted to uh, make a mold of her. I didn't bring it up at the time. But I think part of it was because she was my age and such an established plastic surgeon. And just, I mean, beautiful too, but also the fact that she was my age and a woman just really struck me. So that's how the whole project started. Steven Marino is my fitness trainer who helps me with my shoulder issues because my work is fairly labor intensive. And then Dr. Eric Lander, who is the director of the Broad Institute at MIT Harvard, 
who's a geneticist. So three people who use the human body as a medium in their own work. And what's your process? So first, I have to approach them. <laughs> well, the yeah. Subjects. Uh, and then I Vaseline them up. And then <laughs> me, it's usually uh, in my studio with an assistant, uh, just because, shockingly, the human torso, it's a lot of area to cover for one person. <laughs> and then we brush on silicone rubber, which is sort of, it's like a goopy, yeah, mm-hmm. goopy, colorful mess. We brush that on, and the person has to lie there for 20 minutes or so, very still. And then we pull that off, and then that mold gets used to make the preliminary plastic cast, uh, which is also brushed on. So it's a lot of redundancy in the process after the initial mold. The result is that it has a multidimensional look to it. It's a allegedly a flat piece, which is in the shape, by the way, of a, of a painting. You cut the edges so that it looks like it would be a painting, though the collage are, almost seems to run to the edge. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And then I also flatten the people. I mean... <laughs> yes, yeah, I noticed. So, yeah. yeah, so everyone... They probably noticed, too. <laughs> yes, they, they notice. And I think that the relief here is that, no pun intended, is that they don't look like themselves. Like, they look different. So they feel a little bit... Of, the abstraction helps them feel, say, not embarrassed or offended. So what would you like everybody who sees it to walk away with? I mean, we're going to come away with our own individual things, as I did when I looked at it. But I wondered if you had something in mind that you wanted those who view the pieces to come away with. I think for me, the most important thing, I mean, the thing I work the hardest towards is for the work to present itself as something that is visually rich, regardless of how you know how to talk about it or think about it, that it it offers a lot of just in terms of color, texture, even information that it offers a lot. So because of that, I just, I guess, I mean, not to be cheesy, but for people to feel that they had a new and rich visual experience is honestly enough for me. That's my guest, Lucy Kim. She's uh, one of five artists who won the James and Audrey Foster Prize. That's a prize recognizing established artists who live in the Boston area, but whom you may not know yet. And they are being featured at the ICA. Moving over to you, Sonia. I loved your work as well. A little challenging for me to figure out (laughs) what you were trying to tell me on a few things. But first, let's talk about your process. I looked at uh, so many of your pieces on hinges. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, of course, you had some textile work as well. But the pieces look like textiles to me, some of the, and the way that you did the abstraction. Uh, Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your process. Um, so, I mean, I don't do a lot of textile pieces, to be honest. So this is something new, or at least it's something I'm trying to, like, show more with my work recently. I have a big collection of fabrics for a really long time, and I, I used to sew. I still sew a little bit. So I guess I was trying to introduce that. Particularly with the textile piece, I was actually also thinking about when, like, an old medium that, you know, through the ages have been done from a drawing or from a painting, what happens when that's that's then also from a painting that I had, or in this case, three of my paintings that were reproduced in each of those tapestries. So it works a little bit as documentation of those paintings, but in a really odd way, because you wouldn't expect to document something nowadays in a tapestry. So I was kind of interested in that translation of what happens when you do that. 
So it's interesting that you're saying to me that you like you were puzzled because I I guess well that's... some of the symbols I got some I got the rest yeah. of it it just it felt to me as I said to Dan that everything was about balance or being uh-huh. slightly off kilter or trying to find your space that's what I took away from it I mean uh-huh. he was a little deeper than I was but that's what <laughs> I took away <laughs> yeah 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 no no I like that I like that I I you know I. I don't want to make the work difficult or like there's nothing of that aspect that interests me. But I do find it interesting when I push things together that I have no idea of, like I don't have control of how you're going to read them. So some of the symbols that I had people telling me are they're sort of based in Chinese characters or, you know, they weren't really sure. So those were taken from almost a scientific piece of like the Raven's progressive matrix that uses these layouts to to actually make you work out which will be the solution. So there is a little bit of like you could figure out the puzzle in some of the pieces. But even in other pieces that I have that that don't contain that sort of puzzle so strongly, even the pieces that were more on the larger wall, flat on the wall, no no hinges. Yes, right. Um so they had a lot of other elements that are they look like maybe brush strokes, but they also look like Chinese characters and they also look like bodies in movement. So I'm interested when things are like, you're not really sure what you're looking at. Um, but you can still find your way into the pieces. They're very accessible. You just have a lot of interesting things going on. Yeah, yeah. And I love the color. And you have a thing about orange, I think, right? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, there's like that orange I use quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guest, Sonia Almeida. She is one of five artists who are selected for the James and Audrey Foster Prize. That's given to established artists in Boston who are well-known everywhere else, but not here in Boston yet. Over to you, Dan, a question for you that I really like the artist to answer as well. In a time of turbulence in our lives where we're just uncertain, where does art anchor us? And I'm asking that because coming off of Sonia's pieces about the balance and looking at finding your face really from Lucy's pieces, I just wonder how you you see it. That is the million-dollar question and something that I've Oh, you can answer. <laughs> thinking about a lot these days, and I'm sure many people are thinking about how the work they do and the culture they're involved in can respond to the really difficult times we're living in. And I think, yeah, art has many functions. I mean, it can be very responsive immediately in explicit protest ways, but I think it also can offer ways to build empathy, which I think is such the important thing that we need in our world now and finding ways into other people's methods of thinking and their experience. Using art to understand where other people are coming from is a way to understand the work better, but also a way to understand people better. And that's something that I think even in this exhibition, there's a lot of abstraction and there's a lot of figuration. And I think the fact that the figure and the human body reoccurs in a lot of very vulnerable ways and in a lot of ways where we can, I think, feel our own body's experience as by looking at the way bodies are manipulated and represented in the works is a really important thing in that realm of of empathy. So I think art is a really important thing in the world right now as a way to kind of mediate between people and experiences that are very different. 
That's my guest, Dan Byers. He selected the five artists who are winners of the James and Audrey Foster Prize at the ICA. Same question to you, Lucy. I wonder, do you think that art has an anchoring potential for people in a time of turbulence? I mean, definitely. I, I think about this all the time. I mean, also just because when you're alone in the studio and making this thing that really has no function in like a general sense. I mean, I, I would argue with that, but you know, it's not really a useful thing. But you think about that a lot. Like, why do I do this? And I mean, I really um, do feel I'm, I'm a little bit of an optimist there. I think one of the things, I mean, an example would be if you're sad about something or, I mean, it, you know, like when you're young and you go through a breakup or, you know, really when you hear a song that moves you at that particular moment, I mean, it's just, it may be a silly crush that didn't happen or something like that, but it still means a lot. And it, I think art still has that kind of function for me. The The beauty of art is it shows things in the complicated form that things are. And even though the, the form is concentrated and, and concise, it's never reduced. Hmm. And I think that for me is sort of where art becomes very powerful. Also the fact that it, it's making was motivated by another person. And I think Dan's point of empathy is super important to me and also relevant. Sonia? Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to empathy a little bit here, I'll just give you an example with the hinge pieces. One of the things that I was thinking in terms of how far they come out of the wall and the fact that they have very different sides and one feels a bit more visceral or something that you can like easily get and the other one looks more like computer-based or like something you're supposed to, to know. So I was thinking about like how close you get to those doors and like the size of your, your body and kind of in, in a way almost relating to other people, like how close we stand to each other mm. on a train when we don't really know each other, but the train is busy and you have to stand very close to somebody. Or, you know, how generous are you with your own time to others? They're not particularly your friends. So I was thinking about things like these and I, I'm not saying that's going to translate into work necessarily. But I like to believe that when you go closer, for example, f to certain sides of those hinges pieces, you kind of interact in that way that you want to get closer to some of them or you want to see them from far back or you want to spend more time uh, finding the solution of the puzzle that it's complicated. Or I think that idea of two things or many things that are maybe antagonistic to each other being put into the same work is so important. And to Lucy's point about not being reductive ever. I think contemporary art in particular, the best art holds many things together which are not meant to be together. And there's a kind of productive antagonism that happens and a complexity. And it's not a complexity for complexity's sake, for complication, but it reflects, I think, what Lucy said, the complexity of the world and the way in which most things are unresolved and they're messy and they're hard and they're frustrating. And good art holds together those contradictions in a way that makes you recognize those relationships and I think ultimately helps you sort of see the world better through that kind of tension that exists in the work. So last question. You all are known in other parts of the world. In fact, both of you were born elsewhere and now live in the greater Boston area. So I'm wondering if there is a Boston influence of any part to your work. I mean, that living in Boston has influenced your work in some way that you can characterize. Or if it's just being here in the sort of big, rich stew that Dan talked about earlier with all, you know, Nobel laureates over here. And the question is, Lucy, is does Boston bring something to your work? 
so what's funny is I left New York kicking and screaming. And actually, I moved to Lynn initially, Lynn, Mass. Okay, so I did make a beach piece right away just because it's the North Shore. (laughs) But other than that, I think the influence mostly is headspace. It it gave me a certain kind of headspace. And I think for an artist, it's really important to find and cultivate the kind of environment that's conducive to the way you work. I know in general, everyone's excited about New York, L.A., Chicago, you know, the big London, but... And those are amazing cities, but somehow it was great for me when I was in my 20s, and then once I hit my 30s, it didn't quite work for me. And what was amazing is once I moved to Lynn, it just, like, changed my work in a really good way. And because of that, not just because of that, for many reasons, um, my husband and I decided to just stay here, and we moved to Cambridge. My studio's in Watertown. I love it there. There's something about it. It's weird. It's right by the freeway. There's nothing really sexy about it. But it works for me. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Sonia? I mean, I wasn't born here. I was born in Lisbon. And after my undergrads, I decided to move to Holland because I had a lot of friends there. I was there four years, and then I moved to England, and I was there five years. And then eventually, in 2008, I moved to Boston. So that was my first encounter with the U.S. And, um, you know, I still don't think I know the U.S. because it's like... <laughs> really big. You, know, you don't <laughs> right. think it's that big when you are in Europe. So it's more the West for together. you and not necessarily Boston? No, I'm not saying necessarily that. It's just like for me, I think Boston for me might not mean exactly what it means for everybody else that have a context of the other cities in the U.S. But I do like agree with Lucy in the fact that, you know, I travel to New York a lot. And my gallerist is there and, you know, I travel to other places to see shows. So I do see stuff and go around other places. But I need a lot of time in my studio, and I think here it's very generous the amount of space I have in the studio to work. And that's really important for me right now, to have that time. Yeah, and I like being here, so... Well, it all works together for good, then. (laughs) Well, thank you all, and congratulations again. Your work is great, and I'm sure many, many more people will get a chance to see it now, and we'll see how much influence Boston has after those people have seen your work. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sonia Almeida is an artist living in Arlington and a lecturer in visual arts at Brandeis University. Her work has been on display at institutions nationally and internationally, including the Netherlands and her native Portugal. Lucy Kim is an artist living in Cambridge and a lecturer in fine arts at Brandeis University. Her work is also included in the collection of the Cadist Foundation in Paris. And Dan Byers is the Mannion Family Senior Curator at the Institute of Contemporary Art, the ICA, in Boston. The James and Audrey Foster Prize exhibition is on display now through July 9th details at icaboston.org. And if you'd like to see photos of the exhibition along with more of Dan's descriptions of the art, go to news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Well, that's it for this edition of Under the Radar. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find links to the stories we discussed today, plus bonus content on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app or take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugarts. Andrea Aswahe is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH. <laughs>